Today, Pastor Ray Bentley warns us about speaking evil of someone, no matter how it's packaged. Most people think that it's okay to pass on information or gossip or demeaning talk as long as, well, I didn't want to say anything, but after all, it is true. As if because what we are saying is true, it now gives us license to be able to bring other people down. And that's what James is coming against. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Many of us heard the admonishment from our parents, if you don't have anything nice to say about someone, don't say anything, right? But as adults, we sometimes forget those wise words. Today, Pastor Ray points out it's a biblical mandate to avoid speaking evil of others. Let's listen now as Pastor Ray begins. So James chapter 4, we're going to look at uh, verses 11 through 17. We're going to finish James chapter 4. He says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to such and such a city, we're going to spend a year there, then we're going to buy this, and we're going to sell that, and we're going to make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your ignorance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's what we're going to cover this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit will speak to us. And may the church hear what the Spirit is saying to her for today. Father, I thank you that you are not only almighty and that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth, But I thank you that you allow us the privilege of being your sons and your daughters and that we can call you Father, that we have a heavenly Father who loves us and who has good plans for us and will help us whenever we need. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. King of kings and Lord of lords. And he reigns. And how we anticipate and are excited for, Lord Jesus, your return. To take possession of everything you bought and paid for with your own life and with your precious blood. And we also welcome the presence right now of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for your patience with us, that you would dwell inside such weak earthen vessels. But we feel your presence this morning. We thank you for your comforting ministry. And now may the Word of God come alive to each and every one according to their need. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, 
Amen. Um, again, verse 11, he says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother, we might add a sister, and judges his brother, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. The powerful effect of our words. When you look around and when you see all the things that God has made and created in this world, you know, you see the mineral kingdom, you see the mountains, you see the animals, and they kind of have some of them an ability to communicate in some unique and interesting ways. But then you come to mankind. And the ability that we have, that is, even now there are those who are studying it, researching it, captivated and fascinated by the capacity we have to communicate on such a deeply complicated level, thoughts, feelings, dreams, desires, emotions, our will, and you know, everything that is inside a person you cannot know unless they speak and they reveal it. We have been given this rare, unique capacity in all of God's creation. The trees can't do it, and, and the, the grass of the field and the rivers, they have their little sounds, but they don't communicate animals on a little bit more of a level, but you and I. And by the way, this is one of the things that the Bible says is how we are uniquely made in the image of God. Our capacity to speak. Now there is a proverb that says, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And there are those who, uh, you know, even in the Bible, when judgments and curses came, the word is given and the person dies. And at the same time, we can preach the gospel, which is life and salvation comes through our words, life and death. James is saying, though, that something was going on. Now, this is the early church. I mentioned before that James, as best as we know, is probably the first book of the entire New Testament that was ever written. Now, this is the church of miracles. It is the church of the moving of the Holy Spirit, where literally days ago, Jesus was on earth and died and rose again. But it's a church filled with human beings who are not yet perfect and therefore are verbally kind of speaking evil of one another. In other words, and I think we mentioned this before, there is no perfect church. And this happens wherever there are human beings present. I think that we would all agree that no Christian should participate in the slander of another person in making false charges that destroy another person's reputation. Would you all agree with that? Yes. But that is not what James is talking about. James here says we shouldn't use any words which intend to run down someone else even if what we are saying is totally true. He says, do not speak evil about another person. Most people think that it's okay to pass on information or gossip or demeaning talk as long as, well, I didn't want to say anything, but after all, it is true. As if because what we are saying is true, it now gives us license to be able to bring other people down. And that's what James is coming against. 
This is not the spirit of the Lord. This is not the heart of the Father. This is not the ministry of Jesus Christ. And this should not be happening even in a church where they are imperfect people. In fact, to the contrary, we should be speaking that which is edifying. I put into your notes here, the title of the message is Speak Only What Edifies. The word edify is a biblical word. And what does edify mean? It means to build up, speak words that edify. There are far too many people, apparently, that were even in the early church that James was part of, who was the half-brother of our Lord, and who himself had said some things earlier in his life about his brother when he did not believe. So maybe out of James' own experience, he had come to realize, be careful what you say and how you use your words, because you can ruin someone's reputation. In other words, what, what's really, there's something more than just that what you're passing on is true, and that is, what is the motive in your heart when you are speaking? What's going on inside of your heart? Now, yes, of course, we are called as believers, there is a time for correction. We can and should challenge false teaching that we see that is not biblical. But are we really doing that or are we merely seeking to bring someone personally down in the midst of all that? There are others who will, you know, many know and and classically use, pull it right out of their wallet, Matthew 18. And they will use Matthew 18 saying, look, of course that's all wrong. You can't share those kinds of mean things with people unless you do it face to face. Go to Matthew 18, and as long as you're there face to face, and after all, we're just speaking the truth, then we're fulfilling what Scripture has said. No, wrong. Matthew 18 has a context. And yes, it is saying it is better to go to the person directly than to try to go around them through 10 of their closest friends. But it is also saying that the purpose of that meeting when you sit down and share with them is not merely to point out all their weaknesses and all of their sins and all of their flaws face to face, speaking the truth. The purpose and the context of it is to win a brother or to win a sister. It's about healing, it's about restoration, it's about rebuilding that which has broken or been lost. It's got a goal in mind. And that's why the Lord gave that, and and it's common sense, but it's also supernatural wisdom that you go with them to win them and to bring them into a healthy and a healed relationship to the best of your ability. And there are other people who actually uh, seem to think that fault finding uh, is their personal gift from the Holy Spirit. Have you ever met someone like that? And now, let me just say that there are three places that list the gifts of the Spirit. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. There's about 28, 29, 30 gifts, depending on how you count them. But not one of them listed says the gift of finding fault against your brother. It is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I would put it this way. It is probably a good idea not to point out others' faults until you have fully and exhaustively discovered all of your own faults. Amen? We, we really have to at least go through our own lives, and that's what James is now talking about. Are you now the judge over the law? In, in fact, if you're only pointing out people's faults and speaking evil of them or tearing them down, you're above the law because you are not acting as the law says to love your neighbor as yourself. 
Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Our family loved Pastor Ray. He was witty, kind, and demonstrated completely what it was like to have a deep relationship with God. We are grateful that our family was able to come together at Maranatha. Our lives will forever be changed because of Ray's powerful messages. We rejoice because we know Ray is in heaven. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now let me give a, uh, the power of words and, and the things that we say and the effect they can have. This is a story that happened in my life many years ago. I was just 20, 21 when I felt the Lord led me to start a church, Calvary Chapel out in El Cajon. And uh, so we were doing a Bible study. We had started it. We were in the cafeteria of the high school where I had graduated from. And it was a small church. Uh, you know, we had 50 seats up and maybe 35, 40 people would come on a Sunday. And I wanted to do an outreach. You know, I wanted, and we didn't have a lot of money. So we couldn't get a nice, big, beautiful theater building with lights and nice plush seats. So we went to a park, which was free. But we did have a little bit of money that those who had given their tithes, so we said, well, let's get a, this musician who was a very, fairly well-known musician who happened to play the piano. Let's invite him to come. We'll tell everybody to meet at the park on this afternoon. He'll do a concert. Then I'll get up and you know, share the gospel, give an invitation, and, and then we'll have hopefully some new brothers and sisters and add to the church. So again, we, we didn't have money to rent a, a piano. Well, it just so happened that Vicki and I, one of the first things we did when we got married is that, you know, um, you know when you first start out, you have little funds, and yet I like to play the piano. I play the piano a little bit, and so I'll plunk around, and I play a little bit by ear, and I love to play and worship the Lord. And so Vicki had said, you know what, why don't we... As one of, you know, there are many other things that a young couple when they first get married need, but why don't we make one of our first, you know, major purchases is to buy you a piano that we can worship the Lord and you can play. So I thought, well, okay, wow, what a sweet uh, thought, you know. So we went down and bought this nice, brand new, upright piano that was a little over $2,000, which would be equivalent to $250,000 today. <laughs> That's what it seemed like at the time. And we couldn't afford it, you know, we filled out this thing where you, you know, you're gonna basically pay payments of $35 for the rest of your life. <laughs> Actually, we just paid it off last week, but uh, <laughs> anyway. So this was a very prized possession. And so we got some of the bigger, stronger brothers and they came to our house and we drove it down to the park and we set it up out there. And, so finally, the, the musician came, the day came, and he's playing the piano, and, and I'm kind of thinking, wow, here's this guy, and he's known, and people are going to come. I know they're going to come. They love his music, and the Lord's going to work. And uh, he's going, wow, what a beautiful piano. And I was feeling like, wow, Lord, thank you that our piano that we bought is going to be used. And this guy, who's well known, he thinks it's a beautiful piano. I, so he got done playing a little bit. So I kind of was playing a few little 
things and I go, yeah, I do, I like how it sounds too. And he goes, oh no, I wasn't talking about how it sounds. He goes, basically that, that, that kind of piano is, is junk. And he goes, but what a beautiful finish that it has. <laughs> now, he, I don't think he actually said it was junk. That's what I heard and remember 30 years later, but he basically was saying it wasn't all that, right? And it, what he was ooing and aahing about was, because it was new, it had a nice veneer finish on the wood of the piano. Well, what that did to my little heart was it, I don't know, it just kind of went in and it was kind of, you know, wounded. And, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But I mention it because here now, 30 years later, I still remember that. <laughs> what that guy said. I'm over it. But I remember. And I mention that because no doubt there are things that, that we all go through life and we launch our attitudes and opinions about anything and what people have. And, and we have no idea many times the effect of our words to your husband, to your wife, to your son or your daughter, offhanded kind of comments that we don't really think about. And James, very lovingly and wisely and graciously is calling us out. At the end here of verse 11, he says, if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. To speak against other believers is to elevate yourself over the law. You know, you're basically saying, well, I know that this applies to you. Now, the Lord is not forbidding judgment. I think what he is trying and, and what the Spirit of the Lord through James is saying is he's trying to remove from us that spirit of criticism, especially that, that hasn't dealt with our own sins first. And the, the height of evil is to be pointing out everybody else's mistakes when you're really not spending a lot of time on your own. And may I say that when you do open yourself up to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and even the Holy Spirit is not with his thumb down on you, he is very gentle with us. I have found the Holy Spirit to be most gracious with me. And he generally points out one thing at a time. I think if he showed me everything that was wrong with me, I'd faint and die. But he just one at a time and, and very graciously even gives me a little time after I've dealt with an issue and, and then there's a, a space of, okay, you know, and we're walking on and then, well, and then there's a little something here too. Oh, and I begin to change my attitude that the Holy Spirit is my friend. He's helping me. He's going before me. He's keeping me from hurting others, let alone wounding myself. And you begin to trust in the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. Now, yes, of course, we are to judge sin. We are to judge, as the Ten Commandments say, we're, the, we're to judge adultery. It's sin. Uh, murder is sin. Lying is sin. Stealing is sin. To do them is sinful, and they ought to be challenged and pointed out, surely. Scripture does not forbid judging, but it does really warn us against the spirit of judgmentalism and a critical spirit, especially as it tears people down rather than edifies and builds them up. In verse 12, he goes on with another argument. He says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? In other words, you know, 
even when you're bringing uh, some conflict or you're bringing some challenge to another person's life, realize that, that you're not God and you don't have the power either to save people and you don't have the power of judging people. That is reserved for God alone. And basically, James is saying that judgmentalism is not only arrogant on the one hand, it's almost blasphemous, if not blasphemous, on the other. And here's the other thing that I've also learned in my own experience in walking with the Lord. So often I've come to a conclusion and brought a judgment and then maybe shared it and verbalized it or intervened into a situation only later to find out, whoops, I didn't have all the facts. Well, if I had known that, I would have felt differently about, I would have approached it differently. My tone would have been different. I didn't know. Well, that's the whole point. There should be always an, a, a, a spirit of, of walking softly, so to speak, or gentleness or humility, because we will never know the whole story of a particular situation and what's going on. Ignorance has ruined the best of judgments. And the truth is there's only one who knows everything and what's going on inside as well as outside, and that's the Lord, amen? So we can be good at judging external sins, but we cannot know the heart as only God does. And we ought to leave that for him. Now, I like uh, every once in a while as I read, I come across uh, some of the things written by the Puritans. And I know the Puritans get a, have gotten a bad rap, but the more I've read the Puritans, which are kind of the early believers and some of the early pastors of our American church, these guys were wise. I mean, they were good, and they always surprised me. Here's one of those Puritan pastors. His name was William Beveridge, and this is what he, as a pastor of early America, once wrote. He said, I cannot pray except I sin. I cannot preach, but I sin. I cannot administer nor receive the holy sacrament, but I sin. My very repentance needs to be repented of, and the tears I shed need washing in the blood of Christ. That's a humble attitude. Now, we should, would all agree that speaking against a brother or a sister and judging them is a serious sin. But James is saying something different entirely. He says, it's not just bad, it's one of the worst sins. Now, in one way, you might not ever realize that because here we've got a large congregation and there's hundreds of people who are here. But... There are many who are not here, who once were here. And many of them, as you meet them and talk with them, well, what happened? You used to believe, you used to go to church, and then invariably a story comes up, and this guy said, or this sister said, and they take the wound. Now, their response to it was not right, but the fact still remains the power and the effect of our words. The church should be a place where sinners and imperfect people who are being made holy, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, we of all people should be walking humbly with our God, doing justly and loving mercy. Amen. Great instruction from our studies based in James today from Pastor Ray Bentley here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Speak Only What Edifies. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo, three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, The Cyrus Mandate and As the Days of Noah, both prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.